the topic today, again, is going to be a continuation. It's the inner workings of God's Spirit within us, and this is part two. Last time, we covered two scriptures that Paul gives to us, which have to do with the workings of God's Spirit within us. It has to do with what the Holy Spirit is, not who the Holy Spirit is. And I would like to mention that we have, you can actually see this online now, but a new booklet on the Holy Spirit. And this is an enlargement of our previous uh, document. And we have three appendices in this, in the book. One is the 14 Worlds for Bible Study for those you know, who are struggling with your Bible study, this, these 14 rules are, are absolutely incredible. They can just help you so much to come to a greater understanding of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The second one, Appendice B, is actually the Appendice K from the Faithful Version. So here, it's now part of this new booklet. Uh, and that is the exegesis for the translation of the phrase, the Holy Spirit as antecedent of John 14, 15, and 16. You see, because the translators, and we mentioned particularly the King James, were influenced by the teachings of a false doctrine, and that is that the Holy Spirit is a person and not the power of God, totally contrary, 180 degrees in the other direction of what God is teaching us. It is a lie. It is not the truth. So I would recommend that you write for this booklet. I haven't read it myself, but I see now this online. Uh, we've got copies of them for our office so that we can provide them for our members and all those that write in for them here in New Zealand. And the appendices C is Catholicism's Trinity Doctrine, Athena's ancient spell on modern Christians. Isn't that interesting? There's a spell on modern Christianity because of the doctrine of the Trinity. And the goes back to the origins. So that's going to be a very interesting book. We are waiting for our copies here. Let's continue with the statements that Paul made about the inner workings of God's Holy Spirit, how we can have access to it, how we need to be able to use that spirit, and how God has provided his spirit for us there willingly. Now, what's required, you see, is that in order to receive the spirit of God, we must continue in obedience to the law of God, because if we reverse our decision and begin to turn around and go the other way, God is not going to feed us with his spirit. We are not going to grow. In fact, before we get to Paul, let's just turn to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. In fact, the whole book of Hebrews is such an important book for all of God's people. Hebrews, the fifth chapter, because Paul is revealing the whole role of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ as our high priest is our Lord and Master, is our Savior, is our coming King. So important. So Hebrews, the fifth chapter. You see, because the Hebrews had a problem, and Paul was correcting this. Now, 
we understand how great the knowledge of Paul was. Paul was fully taught in the teachings of the Old Testament. Mind you, uh, also was the false teachings of Judaism, which he had to repent of, but also fully equipped with God. Paul understood all about the sacrifices of the Old Covenant, which had to do everything to do with about the life and teachings and the sacrifice of Christ himself. And so he was able to, through the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ taught him how that he had magnified the law of the Old Covenant and was able now to teach it as spirit. You know, as it says about Jesus, Isaiah 42, verse 21. It says that he came, or he was coming to do what? He was coming to magnify the law, to make the law greater. He didn't do away with it. In fact, he said he did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. In other words, to fulfill it up to the very pinnacle of what the law stood for. The law stood for the obedience of God. The law stood for those who are converted. That as we keep the law, God grows his spirit within us. God himself, Jesus Christ himself, is growing within us. Do you realize that? that you possess the Spirit of God, that I possess the Spirit of God, that it is God himself that is doing the inner workings. I like, every time I read about God in us, I like to think also of God within. God within me. Jesus Christ within me. Did that tell me how I should order my life? How did Jesus Christ and the Father, how was it when they became a part of me? How was it that they became a part of you? Well, at the time of your baptism, and if you are not baptized yet, this indeed will be true for you also. Is that once we are baptized, once we receive the Holy Spirit, you and I belonged to God. We are His possession. And because He, the Father, and the Son, through the Holy Spirit, are dwelling within us, they're doing their inner workings to cause us to grow in their likeness, to become like them. We're already like them in appearance, but now they are converting, they are transforming our minds and our hearts. And not only that, but as they'll transform our minds and our hearts, the whole response of our body because we had a performance stop there. 
because they are dwelling within us, the Father and Christ, they then, as we obey them, are causing us to grow in their spiritual likeness. We're beginning to think more and more day by day. Remember, we were purchased with a price. We belong to them. First Corinthians, the sixth chapter. We belong to them. We do not belong to ourselves. So we have no debt to the flesh. But we owe everything to God the Father and to Jesus Christ in obedience, in love, in growing in their grace and their knowledge. Well, let's get to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Because here are some brethren that were not growing, and yet they had been in the church for quite a long time. Verse 7 is interesting, of Hebrews, the fifth chapter, talking about Jesus Christ, who became priest after the order of Melchizedek, by selection of God his Father. He did not choose this. God has made him and given him a name and an office and power above every other principality and power that was ever created. Jesus, who in the days of his flesh offered up those strong prayers and supplications with strong cries and tears. Why would Jesus have to do this? Why would you have to do this? Why would I have to do this? What Paul tells us. Both prayers and supplication were strong cries and tears to him, the Father, Jesus praying to his Father, who was able to save him from death. And that is the second death, not the first death, because Jesus became a man. And because death comes, as Paul says, chapter 9, I believe, to all men, Jesus was a man, and one way or the other, he came to die. If he had not been crucified, he would have lived out his life, and he still would have died. Same thing there, though, is we would not have a savior. He had to be crucified. His blood had to be shed. So he cried out with strong cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because he feared. Now, how do we fear God? How did Jesus fear God? Well, David tells us, Jesus hated evil. Jesus loved righteousness. And that's why David, why Paul called David in Acts the 13th chapter 20, verse 22, that David was a man after God's. David repented. David remained a humble and contrite spirit, and he trembled at God's word. And so God loved him because he saw in David, what did he say? Here is David, a man after my own heart. Now, we know David had God's spirit. We know that David possessed within his person the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ. Christ, even before he came, 
or giving his life in. I like the word within and through David as an example for you and me. We come down there because of that. This is what Paul goes on to say. He says in verse 11, well, let's see, verse 10. After he had been designated by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, concerning whom we have much to say. So in the book of Hebrews, Paul has a lot to say about Jesus Christ and his role as high priest and hard to explain why, since you have become dull of hearing, become dull of hearing. Yes, these were no newbies. These were no new converts because new converts, new Christians need the milk of the word. These people needed the most solid food. Verse 12, for truly by this time you ought to be teachers, but instead you need to have somebody teach you again what are the beginning principles and the oracles of God. Now just keep that in mind, the beginning principles, that little phrase, because we'll come to that again. And I become those in need of milk. See, they weren't really growing. Then growing, and those had stopped. They weren't studying the word of God as they ought. They were perhaps turning back into the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pretentious pride of life. Quite happy with where they were at. So they had to go back to the beginning principles of the oracles God and have become those in need of milk and not of solid food. For everyone who's partaking of milk is unskilled. Now that's not a criticism to those who are new in the body of Christ because they must grow just like we have to grow once we were born. Once our mother produced us, once we began to breathe ear, we had to continue growing. But now, as we grew, we had to take responsibility for our own growth. We had to begin to learn to feed ourselves. These people, apparently claiming to be Christians, were struggling. They weren't feeding themselves on the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, and probably living on bread alone, and not every word proceeding out of God's mouth. So they become those in need of milk and not solid food. For everyone who's partaking of milk is unskilled in the world of righteousness. And here's addressing the mature, or those who should have been mature in the world, word, or not. But notice what he's talking about, unskilled in the world of righteousness. And how do we understand the word of righteousness? Well, God gives us the spirit of truth. God gives us his Holy Spirit, which gives us understanding, which gives us power, great power from the one who has created all things. He gives us great power for what? To become like him. The process of conversion. The process of coming out of this world and more and more entering into God's world, God's mind, 
God's thinking. Before God called us, he, he says, look, he said, my thoughts and my ways are as high above your ways and the heavens are above the earth. And once we humbled ourselves before the very throne of God, once we confessed our sins, that all changed and God now has given us angles working in us with his inner workings of the Holy Spirit to make us in his likeness, his character, his mind. More and more as we study the word, we begin to think about God. Every trial, every problem in life, we go to the scriptures and say, how does God look at this? I want to know God's answer to this question. I don't want to hear from my neighbor. I don't want to hear from the local gossip over here. I don't want to learn from these tele-evangelists who end up asking for money, and if we don't pay the money, we're called hypocrites. We've got hard hats. <laughs> you know, what a, what a lie. And so they end up with multiple millions of dollars and some countless hundreds of millions of dollars. What are they doing with all that money? Are they feeding the truth to the people? No. They're deceiving the people. And God will have his just retribution against such false prophets. The ones who have God's word are not teaching God's word. They're teaching lies and they're lining their own prophets. Correction. They're lining their own pockets. Okay. We'll get back to Hebrews. I want to go to the next chapter, chapter 6, because here Paul tells us that as we mature, what we need to be doing. And this is very important, and it's all part of the inner work of God's Spirit. Whether we're using and utilizing the power of God's Spirit that he's given to us. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1, and this is very interesting. It's amazing. It's incredible, in fact. Therefore, you know, because, you know, you're not growing because you're immature because, you know, you still need milk and not meat. He shows us what the milk doctrines are. And then he also, he begins by telling us what the meat doctrine is. He, he mentions that first. Therefore, advancing beyond the beginning principles, beginning principles, we read that, remember back in, Hebrews, the fifth chapter. The beginning principles of the doctrines of Christ. We should go on to perfection. What's Paul saying here? It's fairly simple, really. But I just wanted to ask that question. Therefore, advancing beyond the beginning principles. He mentions them all here. These are the beginning principles. And what he's saying is we have got to adva be advancing beyond the beginning principles. We don't scrap them. We don't rubbish them. They're the foundation. But we've got to build on them. So then he outlines what these are. Let me read that again. Therefore, advancing beyond the beginning principles are the doctrines of Christ. We should go on to perfection, not laying again. This is what they were doing. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, 
Now, Paul is not rubbishing these. He's saying these are beginning principles. They're absolutely essential part of our growth. They're the foundation. That's where we began, but we can't stay there. We've got to move on. We've got to advance. And we should go on to perfection. Are the doctrines of baptism, is that important? Yes. Laying out of hands, is that important? Yes, without that, you can't receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is given once we repented by the laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. These are all basic doctrines, foundational doctrines. And we will do this. What? We will advance beyond the beginning principles of the doctor of Christ. We should and we will. We will and we are to be going on to perfection. Now, how do we go on to perfection? I'd like to offer, make three offers for you. You know what these are, but these are things that we need to be studying. First, we have Galatians 5, don't we? The fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are what? The mind of Christ. The mind of God the Father. Examine them, you'll see. This is it. So as we are producing these fruits, the mind, the life, the power of God the Father and Jesus Christ, we are maturing. We're becoming more like God the Father. We're becoming more like Christ. Now in Peter, the second chapter, Second book of Peter, first chapter, Peter gives basically the same things. He's actually talking about putting on the divine nature, which is through these attributes, these spiritual attributes, these characteristics of the mind of God. And to that we can add Ephesians 6, because we need Ephesians 6 the full armor of God. Because the full armor of God is going to be there to protect us and is going to help us to continue our march because of his armor. We are God's warriors. And as Paul said to Timothy, we had a question recently, you know, um, is it okay for Christians to vote? Well, the answer to that one from the perspective that I have is what Paul said to Timothy. Once we are soldiers, once we've been called by Christ and his army, we don't get involved in the affairs of this world. So that's just a basic scripture, basic understanding uh, that we have. And of course, this uh, in a couple of three months, uh, not just in fact, just a few weeks, we've got uh, elections here in New Zealand. And of course, a major focus, which is having, going to have an impact worldwide, of the elections about to take place next year in the United States, November. So much is going to happen before then. And whatever happens one way or the other, our lives are going to be affected. So it's very important that we are maturing in the perfection of God the Father. And we do this because God is doing his inner workings. So let's have a look now at a third scripture. And we'll cover the others at another time. But it says here, Ephesians, the chapter, chapter three, 
And I want to pick out three verses here. I won't read a lot of the other uh, associated material, all the material before and after, but I'd like you to go and read in the scriptures I've given so far in the previous message, Galatians 5, verse 6, Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 19, and now in Ephesians 7, let's just go straight to verse 6. I had started with verse 4, but we are running a little short on time. Uh, let's go to verse 6. That the Gentiles, Gentiles might be joint ears and a joint body, or part of the body of Christ, which we became part of when Christ entered us, when the Father entered us through the Holy Spirit, and we became partakers of the very nature and mind and character of God, and joint partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Now, note verse 7, of which I became a servant according to the gift of grace, which comes through the power of God's Spirit, the grace of God, which was given to me, how? Through the inner workings of his power. We must be constantly aware of the inner workings of God's power within us. Let's drop down now to verse, well, let's just look at verse uh, 16. I'll add a couple here. But he, that God may grant you according to the riches of his glory, yes, he wants to, to be strengthened with power. That power comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a person. And as Wabdell I mentioned last time, uh, the, book, the book on the Holy Spirit goes through the very basics, how that the translators took the personal pronoun, where it should read it in the new agenda and put the masculine gender there against every principle of Greek grammar. They knew better, but they were influenced by the doctrine of the Trinity, which is a lie. And it is a heinous lie because it goes against the very teachings of God and his plan. So again, that he may grant you according to the riches of his going to be strengthened with power by his spirit in the inner man. And let's just add that with within you and within me, within the inner man which is where God's Spirit is functioning and working within us. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Let's just see that word in as within, and I believe that's compatible. It's not adding something to the Scripture. In or within your hearts, both mean the same thing by faith. Paul we'll cut to verse 19. Uh, and I know that the love of Christ, which surpasses human knowledge, is not wonderful. The love of Christ, which passes human knowledge, because it has to do with the Spirit, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Yes, God wants to be within us to the very fullness of his being. He wants us because he is building his mind and his character within us. 
that we are becoming his sons and daughters. And he's doing that from within with all his power as much as we are able to engage with him in that through our prayer, our study, and fasting as we have a need. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that is working in and within us. God's power is within us, his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit is a part of himself. It is God's Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit that he gives us, which we announce when we baptize a person, that the Holy Spirit, and as Jesus said, emanates from the Father to us. Okay, well, uh, here we are. We're, we're out of time, but I do hope that you'll be able to go back and read those scriptures. In fact, just do a search uh, for that sub for those that phrase: the inner working, the inner working of God within us, because God is preparing us for the resurrection. He's also preparing us to endure the end times as we face them. So I. I know this is a very helpful subject, and I hope that you will continue to learn and to study more on this. As we look and as we pray, as we study, that we're seeking more and more of the presence of God within our hearts and with our minds. And remember, as Paul said, he's writing his laws and commandments in our hearts and our minds. In fact, he's inscribing them. So we love you all, and we look forward to meeting with all you all again.